Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hey, I heard you need an inspiration. He's a lot of end friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day. Every little thing's gonna be A-OK. everyone. New episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday, and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, you'll find behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Little known fact about my guest today, he had been performing on Broadway for about five minutes when he won his Tony Award. Welcome, Dan Fogler. Dan Fogler. Some of his many film credits include Balls of Fury, Marconi Brothers, Good Luck Chuck, Mars Needs Moms, Horton Hears, a Who, Kung Fu Panda, Fanboys, Don Peyote, Take Me Home Tonight, Hysterical Psycho, which he also wrote and directed, and most recently from J.K. Rowling, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, playing Jacob Kowalski. His first television appearance was on 30 Seconds to Fame as a contestant impersonating Al Pacino. He's also starred on The Goldbergs, Hannibal, The Good Wife, American Dad, Man Up, and Secrets and Lies. He has performed in many plays, including Joe Fearless, Voyage of the Carcass, Bridges and Harmonies, The Interrogator, and The Detective Sketches. But the role that brought him instant international fame, the Tony Award and many other theater awards, was William Barfay in the 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. I just want to be the first to welcome Dan Fogler to the podcast. Wow. Pretty impressive. Wow, it's been a long time since I heard about bridges and harmony. Do you <laughs> can you do bridges and harmonies? No, do you remember any of the lines? What, I don't remember what the hell that is. That was a real thing. Did that actually happen? I like how you said Horton hears a who. It sounded like Christopher Walken. You were yeah. just all Horton hears a who. <laughs> well, first of all, did you win the Al Pacino impersonation contest? I won in my own way. Did you? Which was what? Which was 
That was, was I used to do this bit in my act, my comedy act, my stand-up act, which was Al Pacino auditioning for the part of Little Orphan Annie. Son, come out. When? Tomorrow. You know, it was whatever. It was, it was very silly. And I did that, and I got onto the show, you know, 30 Seconds of Fame. I don't even know if you've... It was on for, like, maybe one, two seasons. It was packed audience yeah. in, in L.A., and it was like the... It was the gong... It was like the like a, a modern gong show. So you got 30 seconds to do your act, and then... Um, and then if the audience didn't, like, boo you off, they, then you got to do your full bit, and then that was it, you know? And then, I, I that, that's it, I, you know? But I think the guy who won that episode was... A guy who played Gary Busey. It was the Gary, Gary Busey. Busey doing coconuts. Uh, no, he was. Um, he was. Uh, no, the winner was uh, an electric guitar. Uh, no, an electric violinist from oh, who used to play in the subways. I wonder where he is now. Well, is he in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them? <laughs> no, he is oh, not. I won't think so, my friend. <laughs> but I'm sure he's doing amazing. Yeah. And you know what? Everyone finds their way. He may be, you know, playing electric guitar with uh, Philip Glass somewhere. You know? I hope so. I mean, electric violin. On Philip Glass. Uh, playing, <laughs> yes. Your career is sort of extraordinary. The thing that I... Am now most intrigued by are your parents. Uh oh. Because in researching a little bit about you, and I always like to know where people come from, because I feel very strongly that where you grew up, the environment is just as kind of instrumental in who you become as, yeah. you know, the people in your life. And now I'm a parent and I'm kind of curious about, like, am I doing a good job or a bad job? It seems to me they were the most supportive parents to a creative child on the planet. <laughs> Is that what their version was? That's their version. It all started. It all started. Yes, Mark with, Twain. With um, my um, my dad, who actually went to the original Fame School, and uh, so he went maybe to like sophomore or junior year there, and he was in a play, and his parents, my grandparents, came to see him, and he was just like, "What do you think? What do you think?" And they were like. You were good, but you're gonna be a doctor, you know, and and that's how it was back then. You and just, that's what yeah. happened. And that's what happened. So he always had this. I had the best case scenario because it, my dad ho is living vicariously. Always had this yearning to, you know, what could have been right and appreciated it. Yeah, right. And so, and he was a doctor, so he was able to. And he like, was rich. Yeah, well, he did okay, <laughs> and he was able to support me. Yeah, you know, well into past the time when you should be supporting somebody they gave me like a thing they're like you know you're gonna you're getting really close to 30 kid you know you better get your you know it's get. i don't want to be paying you know your rent when you're getting that close to 30 so and you... thank god things like turned around yeah yeah, yeah. And my mother was a english teacher uh and um was just such a you know she's both of them were so supportive of my career and, and they're still you know and my mother is, uh, you know, quintessential stage mom, whether I wanted her to be or not. They basically were there at every show, you know, and were there when I was a, a little, really little, little kid. And often I had just the encouragement that this kid's funny. And I like, I like this kid. So were you always laugh. funny? Were you, I, was that Yeah, your that thing? was like right away. I was Meshuggah Nadidi and, uh, you know, I, and that was, 
my title, and I took that to the nth degree. I, I really liked making people laugh really early on, and I was like, yeah, I'll probably... I mean, I I, I, I was so right-brained. You know, uh-huh. I, I did I did like sculpture and drawing and making little comic books and doing making people laugh. And I was thought, okay, I'm gonna do I'm gonna be in that world, like stand up or who are your comedy heroes? Right. So I mean, I saw someone like Robin Williams, and I saw him at the Met. You know, making my dad pee his pants. You know, whenever wow. the whole when the whole family is watching something and you see your dad is and and laughing from this guy and this guy. And oh man, he now this guy's doing Good Morning Vietnam, you know. So you're you're just like, okay, that's someone who is what I would call a sad clown. Mm-hmm. May he rest in peace. Uh, and he was who I thought, okay, this is someone who is making people laugh, and they're making people cry in uh, in the same sentence. And I want to be that kind of guy. Were you acting as a kid? I didn't really act until I was on stage, and. Um, I did Bye Bye Birdie. That was my first production. And I was, and Mr. Stone was my first director. He's this big, you know, grizzly bear of a guy, you know. And he uh, he just saw something in me. I was the only kid. I think I was a sixth grader, and the rest and everyone else in the play were high, uh, like uh, high school kids. Do you still have any of that soundtrack in your head <laughs> from that show? Do you remember anything? Yeah, I, I was Randolph McAfee, and I had this this moment which solidified for me. I was in sixth grade, and I and my back was to the audience, and it got to my Ed Sullivan, Ed Sullivan, you know that moment. And I turned around, and the way he staged it, I said Ed, you know, as soon as I said Ed, the fucking place went nuts. They started cracking up. You know, of course, it was half of my family, <laughs> but uh, I was like, I like this business. This is a really I like good- spinning around and going Ed Sullivan, Ed, you know. <laughs> Do you do that for your kids? Like, Wake up, Ed. Yeah, Jesus, Dad, <laughs> shut up. Stop spinning around. No, I drive them. Stop spinning at us. My dad, yeah, exactly. <laughs> stop with the stop plosives. Has your daughter heard the original Broadway cast album of the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee? She saw us in town hall. We did... Um, I think it was the 10th anniversary or something like that of... of a spell, reunion concert. reunion concert. Spell, but it wasn't just a reunion concert. We freaking... We were in costume. We freaking redid oh the God. show. And that was crazy because I was in the middle of, of, like, flying back and forth to London auditioning oh for Fantastic Beasts. Which I want to hear about. And then I landed and, like, did the town hall show as Mr. Did you remember? Murphy. Did you remember? <laughs> did that magic yeah, foot Yeah, when you do magic? something for, when you do something for that long, it, all it just comes, comes back. back. And it was such a magical experience. And I think it was heightened because I knew my daughter was in the audience. Have you turned your daughter on to a lot of Broadway musicals? You know, Rosh Hashanah happened, and we were talking about being Jewish, right? And she, I was like, you know, there's a musical. It's all, you know, it's like about our people, essentially. You want to hear it? We watch Fiddler on the Roof. The movie. The movie. It's a long movie. Yeah, that's like a that's like a Star is Born. She, she sat through the damn whole thing, man. Even when they have to, like, how can I hope to make you understand? Like, it's very sad. The sad parts, you know, m- me and my wife, we sit. That's rough. Exactly. That's devastating. And she's sitting there, and she's like, shh, shh, shut up, shut up. Yeah. You know, and she's like, yeah. so, honey, do you understand? You know, it's just a play. These people aren't really kicking them out. You know, yeah. it's like, and she's just like, what? It couldn't really happen anywhere. Right, right. Well, hey, you know, you know, it's tough to 
you have to pick your battles, you know. So what's kind of extraordinary about Putnam County yeah. Spelling Bee Well, is... I mean, I can tell you the journey here, yeah. which is a, is just beautiful. It's It started at the Theatorium, which was just like tiny little theater on Stanton and like Rivington, you know. Where my people came through right? this island, yeah. And it was this show in, it, that was, you know, in the middle of nowhere uh, downtown. And we put this sh- this show up, which was fully improvisational. We created our characters. The show was called Crepuscule then, which is such a <laughs> wonderfully, like, marketable name, isn't yes. it? Yes. So, and that means... I'm shocked you didn't keep it that <laughs> yeah. name. Okay. Uh, and it, that was... Uh, Rebecca, who I know forever, her, her sister Liz, who I know forever, is a big writer now on TV, and and we all we all made up these characters. We did the show a couple times, and we felt as we did it, people loved it. And then Sarah Salzberg, who was like the real linchpin, I went to Boston University with her. She was Schwartz and Grubinier in uh, in the show. She was um, Wendy Wasserstein's nanny, and she said, "You got to come and see the show I'm doing." And the rest is history. When the Wasser scene came, serious? saw the show, she was like, This is something. I'm going to call my buddy Bill Finn. He's going to call his buddy Wait, James LaPine. Was it a musical? When you did it downtown? No, it was, a, it was like a. Like sketch comedy? There was maybe two songs in it, but it was like Sinatra or something. Okay. You know, we were. we The whole show was. We brought just the core of it was there, you know, the skeleton. A bunch of kids coming to do. A spelling bee. This spelling bee. And. Every time we got up to the mic, we improvised these jokes. We had these moments where it was like, let's learn about the kids' home life. And we had these videos, and you'd see, you know, Mr. Barfy at home doing science class homework, you know. And it was this real kitschy off-Broadway thing, but you, but you off, off, off-Broadway right. thing. But you knew, damn, there's something here, man. And if Bill Finn got his hands on this and made it into a musical, it could go to distance. That doesn't happen. Yeah. But it happened. It happened. And then you went... Out of town, like we to, Barrington, to Barrington, to kind of ma- workshop it, to or workshop it, and then we went to second stage, and then we went to Broadway. How old were you when you won the Tony? I was, uh, was like around twenty eight or something. Great. Can you take us through Tony night? No sleep, but like, who gives a shit? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because Tonys, you're doing you... eight shows a yeah. week, and then you're like, and let's do a Tony rehearsal right. on top of that. So yeah. you're on no sleep and, and adrenaline, and adrenaline, like, and you've been nominated, so you're interviewing like crazy and. There's big junkets and you brought your my wife your Jody wife. came with me and um, and a lot of the spelling bee folks were there I think uh, because we were we were doing a, a number from the show obviously did you think you were gonna win I, I was convinced it wasn't gonna be, be mm-hmm. me because I was like I haven't paid my dues man I I'm on Broadway like for five seconds here right, you it's know too easy yeah and um, I'm a character actor this happens later so then when I I mean, I obviously wrote a speech. <laughs> but uh, that, that's classy. You don't want to waste people's time. Yeah, to exactly. Right. Smart. They say but, write uh, a speech. But right before, I was like, ah, it's not going to be me. Mm-hmm. And then when they said it, I was just like, what the? Oh, my God. Dreams can come true. This is incredible. Yeah. I'm not one of those people who, like, remembers every Tony Award show, you know, ever. But um, I remember you winning, and I remember you being super emotional that's my that's my memory of it and thinking that um you allowed yourself to be completely vulnerable in the moment i don't know about allowed 
You were. It just happened, yeah. What? what I had your... I had planned so many things. Yeah. I was going to dance up. I was going to do cartwheels. I was going to do like a magic foot thing, you know. <laughs> I was going to do a whole thing. And I win. My and brain then... went out the fucking window. Yeah. Thank God I had this, uh, uh, written it down because I wouldn't have remembered anything. So before this, you're doing whatever play you can get going, like all the yeah. rest of us. You go stand to college. Up, yeah. You do stand up. And this changes everything, right? Spelling bee, yeah. And you haven't looked back. Since have you had to audition for anything since? Absolutely, I entered the the pool party with a big cannonball, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then everyone got splashed. Right, and they were like, "Okay, thanks, pal." And then I was, you know, like getting wet. <laughs> so then there was about a couple of years of me just kind of like floating around, going, "Yeah, I'm the balls of fury guy," and mm-hmm. and, and so you know you have ups and downs, and I think that. Um, during that time, I did incredible things. I did Don Peyote, mm-hmm. which is, uh, you were in that, yes. actually. You impressed me very much in that scene. That was the most, that was very impressive It to was me. really, really fun. I wasn't really expecting fun. that. I, I didn't know what to expect because I hadn't really known you. And you navigated the fuck out of that scene, you know? It was all you. Steve didn't say much. And in the movie, he, he like has one like <laughs> nod, you know? I know, but with that face, what does he have to say? <laughs> I know. I had a great time, and it was really exciting for me to get to work with you and to see kind of um I feel like you've always been really devoted to creating work. And so the during that little down period I you know I did a lot of great stuff and during that time I was like, you know, shit, like am I ever going to am I going to have an upswing again, you know? Mm-hmm. So it it really humbled me. Well, what, <laughs> and what, it got me in, what in prepared like, for, to what, audition. For... What humbled you? What happened? As you said, you kind of had this moment and you were getting all these <coughs> yeah. offers in television and film. The Goldbergs, one of my favorite shows ever. Right. Um, you get to visit that family. Well, that then... was Goldbergs. I, I love Goldbergs. That's Adam Goldberg. And that came from Fanboys. Mm-hmm. So, yes, work begets work. You know, when you're hot, you're hot, and when you're not, you're not. So you really feel that not when you were hot, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> like mm-hmm. suddenly the phones are ringing. It's taken away from you. You're in the spotlight for long enough for everyone to brand you as one thing. Which you was know? what? You know, whatever, the Balls of Fury yeah. guy. People see the trailer for Fantastic Beast now, and, they, and, you know, some people are like, what the fuck is the guy from Good Luck Chuck doing in this, right? And there's an aspect, you know, in my soul of... I definitely got the golden ticket. Mm-hmm. I won the lottery. Do you feel I, uh, that now because you're in this J.K. Rowling movie, or you felt that? Well, all because along, I was. I, I thought that in order to even get into the fucking door to have an audition for this, where I was at a year ago, I would have to have done this specific movie in order to get to that movie, in right. order to get to the next movie, in right. order to even dream about getting yeah, into yeah, the yeah. door with the director. So how did this happen? I auditioned, and thank God. I just was in a, a philosophical and an emotional state. Having just had my kid, you realize, oh, that's why I'm killing myself to put food on the table. So then it doesn't feel much like killing yourself anymore. You know, you, you just, you have more strength, you have more energy. You find it somewhere. And um, Really, I'm just really tired. <laughs> <laughs> But I love it. I love that it works that way for you. For auditions, yes, you find it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, well, there's a hunger in that you, way. Again. You and and there's a huge emotional 
well that opens up when your kid is born that now, oh my God, you know, basically as an actor, your spectrum just grows. So when you audition for this kind of film, do they let you see the script? They gave me like three scenes to look at. And I went in there and I, and I was like, oh, wow, this takes, this is like ba- me basically playing my great grandfather, you know, who, Jacob. Who, yeah, right. who, who was a baker on the Lower East Side. Are you on tape the first time? Are you reading for David Yates? Yeah. You're on tape. I was ta- on tape in New York for the New York casting director. And uh, I, I put together like this. I was like, oh, shit. J.K. Rowling, oh my yeah. God, I gotta... Even I've heard of her. I know her. Yes. I have to get my act together here. And I, I put together like a costume. I love Which it. I thought would work. Yeah. It's nothing like what I wear. <laughs> it's not what you're wearing in the film. But I, I found this amazing hat. It was like a patchwork, like, hat. I was like, this is very much in the wizarding world. I had suspenders. I had cut off gloves. You know, they saw that, and they were like, oh, okay, this guy can't. Great, Barnum. What's <laughs> happening? I don't know. What was it? Yeah, it was like Newsies. <laughs> I was doing Newsies. At least you made the effort. But I made the effort, totally. and I came in there, I made a choice. Yes. And I, and I think they saw that I was incredibly close, and this character was just in my blood. But did I, you see your competition? Well, I did afterward. Yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ, it was everyone in the world. Like, like who? Like who else? So, like, I didn't hear anything after that audition. I was like, okay, that was nice. Yes, I can return that <laughs> yes. hat to Abracadabra. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then everybody and their grandmother, you know, auditioned Krasinski, uh, you know, I think, you know, Jack Black, all, everyone in the world. Yeah. Josh Gad, like... But, like, all different shapes and sizes. I guess it was uh, actors that could do funny but also uh, have a heart. David Yates's wife, Yvonne, David was like, I really like him, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, uh, you know, who the fuck is this guy, <laughs> you know? Yes. I have to see everybody else. Yes. But Yvonne, his wife, saw the tape and was just like, this is the guy. You have to, and thank God for her Yvonne. tugging on his yeah. sleeve every darling. night, going, "That's the guy, darling." Darling, did you see? Wake up! Yeah, and they they circle back to me. Thank God. So I went out to L.A. and auditioned with him. Did you wear the hat? I brought the whole damn outfit again. <laughs> you're supposed to wear the same thing to the exactly. callback, so they know who you are. <laughs> I did, man. I did. Oh, it was ridiculous. Okay. He was like, maybe not the hat, you know. And then uh, I got rid of the hat. Of course. What (laughs) hat? Oh, my God. Is this on? Suspenders, maybe. (laughs) But the suspenders, they were the kind that kept on, like, unclicking and flipping up. So that was it. Ow. Oh, right in the left eye. Sorry, Mr. Yeats. Yeah. But I got out of that audition, and I was like, damn, I nailed that. He really, I was, he he was wiping away a tear. I can believe it. I am Jacob. Kowalski. I said it just in that voice. Yeah. I am. I am Jacob Kowalski. I am Jacob Kowalski. <laughs> did you do it as Pacino? I did. The first time I did it, I walked in, and I was like, "Get out of the fucking way! I'm a I'm a baker. I'm making all sorts of pastries for you." So my guess is you didn't do Pacino at your David Yates audition. No. For, right. Uh, thanks for bringing me Fantastic back. Fantastic Beast. But you did do something special. I did. He, 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 I obviously did because then they brought me out to London oh and they God. did then screen tests. You go tests. to London and you could do screen like makeup and the whole thing and they costumes. Did, yeah, and they, yes, they did screen tests with. I I think I even brought my costume to that screen <laughs> test. <laughs> I think hat. I did the hat. Like, that hat's gonna be in the Smithsonian. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> and, Dan uh, Fogler wing. And that's when I met Ready Ready Ed Main. 
Ready Edmund, which all his good friends call. You're so inside. I am. Ready Edmund. Good old Ready. Eddie Redmayne. And the cast is delicious. I saw the film. Did you read Harry Potter stuff? I saw all the movies. And I never read those books. They're, they're really heavy. They're big. Yeah. Even your Kindle gets heavier. This is a huge movie. Yeah. You shoot in London. Is it all green screen? You have elaborate sets. And then just... Green screen in the places where they absolutely need it. So they're they're basically doing their best to keep you in this in the moment. And you know, you don't have to use your imagination for much at all putting the, the room together. It's there. But like if Eddie is climbing into a suitcase, yeah, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. going into it, which I think you observe him doing. Yeah. How do they do that? That's magic. It's actual magic. It's actual magic. And wizardry. They have a jar. It's like a glowing magical jar of dust. So it's like right. fa- fa- fairy dust, I guess. Does J.K. throw it at you? J.K. is the one who knows the combination for the safe that has the jar. They go pull out the jar, and they take a scoop. Totally. And they put it on the scenes. And that's how it works. The magic happens when she throws the fairy dust on you. Pretty much. It's not so much your talent and your lifelong everything that brought you to this moment. It's just that. <laughs> Now is she like is she like you know like in the witness protect like when those people are on like testifying and so you just hear their voice and there's like <clears throat> their faces are all pixelated yeah is she on set and like accessible and first of all to answer your question yeah. there's no bottom to the suitcase there was a hole in the ground okay that's how it came out <laughs> I loved I you thought like it was very cool yeah. yes yeah uh, no it's a, it's an amazing, amazing. moment when he he's like because I've tried timed. that like a million times and I can never like walk Fit. into the suitcase in quite that way. Yeah, they really perfected it. They put stairs and everything down there. There's like a suitcase guy. Yeah. Just a guy on set just for the suitcase. Oh, yeah, yeah. For making, sure. Making it look right. Was this the biggest movie you've ever been in? This is the biggest movie that John Voight has ever been in. Okay, so yeah. that, that gives us context. Yeah. How will you go back now? Like, how do you live a normal life now once that's been your life? How am I doing? Am I okay? Do I seem normal? It was weird when, like, your people came in and they were carrying you, like, kind of, like, on this weird throne? Yeah, it's like... um, (laughs) Golden throne? Chalice? Yeah. Yeah, Have you ever seen... uh, I wanted them to model it after. Model. I wanted them to model it. Model. Model it, it after. Model it after. Yeah. The um, Egyptian king from the movie Three Hundred. That's kind of what it looked like to me, yeah. and I didn't even see that movie or even know what you're talking about. But that's what it looks <laughs> but like. But that's what it evokes. Give us one or two, one or two moments that you'll never forget from making that movie. Oh my god. Starting with when you found out you got it. Okay, so when I found that I got it, it was a beautiful moment. Because when I did my screen test, they said, okay, so we're probably going to do a million more screen tests. And I was like, okay. With me? No, yeah. Oh, not with or me. somebody? Got it. <laughs> okay. So they said, if you hear, you're going to be coming back to London for another screen test. So I was like, okay. So I'm at Comic-Con last year, and I have my boxes of Brooklyn Gladiator, which is my 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 little, my little yeah, my little comic book that I've been working on. The side. <laughs> What's your reason for being here, Dan? My little comic book. Right. So I'm like hop, like schwitzing, right. Right. pulling these boxes through this like s- swimming upstream through costumed sweaty people. Who I love. But at that moment I'm like, get out of my way. This is what's happened. And I get a call. Yeah. And 
I'm like the hunchback of Notre Dame. And I pick up the phone, and it's my manager uh, who says, hey, where are you right now? And I go, I'm, uh, I'm trying to make my way through Comic-Con right now. And they're like, oh. I'm peddling my wares. Yeah. They said, guess what? Um, Comic-Con's going to be a lot different next year. And then I suddenly started hearing the Superman theme. It was all boop, 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 boop. And then I started, my posture got better, and then a single tear came down my eye, and it, it went blink, and I actually heard the blink. And then I just started handing out comic books going, who wants Brooklyn Gladiator for free? That's how I found out. That's amazing. Everybody on this movie was just wonderful, man. Here's another beautiful thing that I got to say to Eddie Redmayne. We're sitting in the movie theater watching Theory of Everything. And I was like, this guy's a genius. Yeah, beautiful actor. I was like, if I ever get to, and I was like, this guy is going to win the Academy Award. I know it. And he does. And I said to myself, I would love to work with this guy. If I ever got to work with this guy, I know I'm, I'm doing something right. Mm. And then I got to work with him. Did you tell him that? I, yeah, I told him the, as soon as I met him. That's so sweet. Yeah, that's how I got the part. Tell us <laughs> like one of those audition stories that is funny now, but at the time wasn't so funny. Or maybe it was. <laughs> no, it was not funny at all. <laughs> all right. When I was first auditioning, you got to audition for Juilliard. I was like 17. I was fresh out of high school. And I was, you know, I had a chip on my shoulder. I was a big fish in a little pond. And um, so at all, and all my other auditions up until that point, people were like, before I was even leaving the room, they were just like, um, can you sign here because we want you in our school? So I was like, Juilliard. Yeah, hello. I go into Juilliard. We're in this room with this guy who is, I can't remember his name, but he was like this, he was like Jean-Luc Picard. And he's standing there in his black turtleneck, his old black outfit. And he's like, welcome to Julian. You know, whatever. This is how I remember it. And all the other kids are just like standing in fear. And I am just peeing my pants from this guy. I was like, this guy's incredible. I love him. I have to do this character yes, someday. Yes, yes. You know, so Note I'm just. Yourself. Yes, I'm going to get a bald wig right now. I found out later he was like the head of the fucking acting program. I know, but that's ridiculous. Right? Don't so be I'm, ridiculous. Thank you. So now. It was basically I was in like an SNL sketch where he was just like, okay, we begin. You are feeling hot. Everyone's feeling hot. So everyone's around me going, oh, God, sweating and whatever, acting like they're, oh, God, ah, you know, whatever. And I'm just like looking around, almost being my pants, basically. Like, I can't, and he's like, I can feel him looking at me. I'm like, okay, I got to get into this. Yeah. I go, okay, whoop, yeah, I'm feeling hot, you know. And then he's just like, everyone's cold. And I'm just like, this is so, you know, I'm like, it's so obviously, oh. yeah, like, e, look at me. I'm oh, in an igloo. Right, exactly. It's like, <laughs> ah, I'm cold now. Like, that's all I can think to do. Like, do you want to build a snowman? Well, yes. not yet. Not right now. No. no. So then, uh, so then he takes us through all of the. Okay, now you're feeling desperately annoying. You know, whatever the fuck. So we get through this whole fucking thing, and then he knows. I was like, shit. I really hope that part wasn't important because because right. I didn't really care I just about it. Laughed through the whole fucking thing, and it looked like I didn't care about it. Yeah. Cut to me doing my audition, doing my monologues. And um, there he is, Mr. Baldman, standing, sitting across, you know, from me at a long, long table with all the other teachers. Just like Flashdance. They're not paying attention. What are they doing? Mr. Turtleneck is just all, mm, yeah, very loudly. I think it's time for lunch. He sees me. 
calls the guy and the PA in, and all of them, it's like 10 people standing at, sitting at this table, and they all ordered lunch during my audition. Tuna. Yeah. I want, I want to have a Reuben sandwich, please. With extra sauerkraut so I can harumph it all over this idiot who's doing bottom in front of me. I want to make sure no one's paying attention. Give me eight million menus to put in front of my face. So he, so then I do my monologues while they're ordering. And I do the monologues just like, oh, okay. I see. I wasn't caring about his little thing. He's not oh. caring about my little thing. Mm-hmm. Which it's... happens to be my whole life. Right. <laughs> you know, like, right. right. Yeah. And I just felt so. Oh shit! I'm so sorry. And then he, he's like, okay, approach the table, you know, like, and I was like, ah. so I sit down, and I had the balls enough to say, um, I could do it again, you know, and they were just like, no, it's fine, you know, I was just like, but you didn't even watch me, yeah, and and no one says anything, and he goes, oh no, I saw that. How old are you? You know, and I'm just like. Uh, 17, fresh out of high school, just raring to go, you know? And he's just all like, come back when you're in your mid-20s when you have some experience. Goodbye. And I'm sitting there just being like, where's the part where you say, let me see another monologue? Because everyone else wanted to see one. Awful. Next. Do those days haunt you? Oh, yeah. They made me who I am today. Who are you today, Dan? I'm, uh... I'm Dan Fogle. I'm not even Dan Fogle. I didn't even, I didn't say my name wrong. I'm Dan Fogler. I'm Logan. Kenny Logan. <laughs> I'm Dan Fogelberg, leader of the band. <laughs> no, I'm Dan Fogler. Yeah. Humble actor who just wants to make people happy, father, and that's really it. Well, you made me really happy today. I'm so happy you came in. I'm so grateful. Thank you. I'm the happiest person in the world right now. Thank you, Dan Fogler. Clouds can make the wind blow. Bugs can make the grass grow. So, there you go. These are little known facts that now you know. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you want more information about my guests, go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com. I also wanted to tell you that there is now a new addition to the website. It is a button that says Contributions. This podcast is a true labor of love, and I really, really want to keep doing it for a long time. So if you like listening as much as I love to do it, please feel free to contribute. It would mean the world to me. Also, on Twitter, you can find me at Alana Levine. Instagram is Little Known Facts Podcast. And on Facebook, Little Known Facts Podcast. You can also feel free to rate and review the show on the iTunes show page. This podcast is recorded at Hangar Studios in New York City. Thanks for listening. This episode was brought to you by Pro Media. Located in Times Square, Pro Media offers both production and post-production services out of its beautiful studios in the heart of New York City. Pro Media Sound Vision. Find out more at promedia.nyc. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? 
That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.